You're listening to Whoa. Hey everyone, welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 81 for Thursday, November the 11th, 2021. My name is Marvin Yua, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have professional culture editor Han Win. Hey, Han. Hey. Welcome back. It's, um, you know, I know this isn't the case in other countries, but we have a little thing called daylight saving time <laughs> here in the States. And man, I am not happy with it getting pitch black dark at 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little odd, but it, it I mean, it, honestly, my sleep is just so messed up anyway. <laughs> Whether it's an hour later or earlier, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I have not really engaged with the time change that much. Well, that's good. You know, you know, these days we work from home. Like I barely go out during the week anyway. So yeah, you know. I went out this week. It was weird. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do with it, but I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah we went like. out. Um, my partner, and I went out this weekend and man, there are a lot of people out there. It was a little stressful because yeah. um, we're both still very mm-hmm. careful with being out, being out and things like that. And just, um, we were at the street fair down in San Diego County and um, we were there looking for ice cream because she wanted really mm-hmm. wanted to visit this place in Carlsbad and mm-hmm. man there were just tons of people out just yeah. no masks not anything I I had the opposite circumstance sort of um, I attended um, an FYC screening for Squid Game and um, that's <clears throat> right I saw a lot of um, our mutual friends I guess you included at that screening and the stars were there right yeah, I'm I'm look, I'm rarely invited to these things, so I felt very lucky. <laughs> Cape got me in, you know. Um I guess I was professional Asian enough to be invited. Um so I'm thankful for that. But you were um probably yeah. the most professional Asian in this like uh, group. Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't wanna say that. But uh but it was um it was it was interesting because of course, you know, South Korea is very uh, strict about like their COVID protocols. And so that made me feel really good because everyone had to be not only have proof of vaccination with them, we had to have a and we also had to have a negative COVID test. Um, they sent us tests in the mail. And if you didn't do that, you, there was still on site testing. There's kind of like no way you had to prove, you know, like um, that you were completely clean. You had to be masked there um, when you were eating and drinking. That's fine. But you know, so it, it in a way it made me feel better that when they had the after reception that I felt like everyone was cool. Like I could like, you know, if I ate like a skewer of uh, pork belly around someone, I felt like they were all in the same situation so I could trust them more. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it gave me that extra level of uh, confidence. I'm so curious, I was what kind of that. food did they serve at the Squid Game <laughs> after party? <laughs> OK, so during the screening, they just had like water and then they had like asian snacks oh. so they had pocky um which was very exciting and it was also pocky? weird because i feel like should it be like latte well like, you know they 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 tried to make sure that everyone like just was able to like grab something packaged and go to their seats <laughs> um so it was just like so pocky we had like um the asian cats of course um and a few other things that even like haichu uh-huh. um and then we had twix because i like twix so i'm just <laughs> like i don't i don't care if that's not asian um and some popcorn. And so that was just to tide us over, which was great. Um, and it was funny, though, because 
when, when I was there, I was like, oh, if it's an FYC screening, that means people from the guilds are invited. So we're going to get some randoms in there. So I was telling uh, Laura Siracle, um, who we all know, uh, that I was just like, I bet you there's going to be some people in this audience who haven't seen the episode because the episode was number six, uh, Gambu. Oh, and no, if that, is the, that is the sad one. Yeah, that is the but super it's also, sad one. <laughs> but it makes sense because they brought the... Um, when you think about it, it tells a very complete story. It allows everyone to have a really great um, acting moment. And so we had the creator there, uh, Huang Dongjiak, and then um, and then we had three of the actors. So the lead, uh, Lee Jong-jae, um, and then uh, we had the one who plays uh, Sebyuk. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I forgot her name, uh, Hoyen. Um, I forgot her, her last name, though. And then um, we had uh, uh, Sang Woo, you know, the actor who played Sang Woo. And so those are th- that's a great spotlight for actually quite a few of the actors and their acting ability. And so um, I thought it was great. And so um, I did indeed run into someone who, from my past job who had never seen the show. He was an older man. He was like, yeah, my, my daughter kept saying I had to watch it. And I was like, well, what did you think of the episode? Because what an episode to just come in on yeah <laughs> and he was just like i was very engaged and he's like i i found it heartbreaking i was like yep <laughs> i was like this is a show that you actually need to watch from the yeah. beginning and i was like just because everyone talks about the violence you know it, i was just like you really care for the characters and it's amazing what they do in such a short period of time so um yeah and then so at the reception sorry i like got off but at the reception, um, the food wasn't quite enough, but I I understand. Like you know, uh, they spend a lot of money getting us uh, tested and for flying people you know <laughs> across the seas to to be with us. So uh, we had a lot of past apps, and it was uh, kimbap, which was nice and uh, okay. on brand, and then um, some a uh, some pork belly skewers, as I said, which was delicious. Uh, we of course hovered by the place, the mouth of the entrance where all the servers were coming, so we could like <laughs> descend upon them. It's not an um, Asian party unless you. Yeah, I felt the bad. <laughs> yeah, after a while, like in most of those parties, usually the servers get to know me, and they'll be like, "Don't worry, I'll bring you something." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and then you know there were other you know average normal things like some fruit skewers, and there was some dessert which I didn't really care about. Um, but and. Um, small chicken sliders i think which were were not bad but it was mainly bread so i was like eh. um yeah but um also we you know we don't it's not always guaranteed but we got a little swag at the end which you might have saw a scene which is very cute we got a bag of marbles oh no and and then we got a uh, (laughs) that is foreboding (laughs) we got the uh what's the uh the thing the the dessert the dalgona yeah the dalgona and so um you know of the different shapes and i got uh umbrella and uh, it was already broken, <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. So surprise, you're yeah, all playing so, Squid Game now. Uh, yeah, it was very fun. It was also nice because it was Netflix um, synergy. Uh, Jimmy O Yang was there, uh, and uh, and I believe Harry Shum Junior. Oh. Uh, so yeah, from ne- some Netflix Asians to other Netflix Asians. So you you probably can see some photos out there <laughs> of them together. Um, with the cast of uh, Squid Game. So, yeah, it was just... You know, the Netflix Asian Club is growing every day. You know, it's going to grow in a few... and Like, it's going to grow soon with John Cho as um, Spike Spiegel as well. So, 
You yeah, know? we have Ali Wong in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's 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 a it's it's a good time, and uh, I like how that they're expanding the the programming that we're getting to. <laughs> well, that anyway, funny. that that I think that counts as my uh, what's popping, honestly. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I mean, yeah, what I, mean, I was going to talk about what, with my what's popping was um, the new season of Big Mouth, and if we're talking about uh, well, before we get to that, in this episode, of course, we're talking about the Eternals, the new MCU film by Chloe Zhao featuring a star-studded ensemble cast that we're going to be talking all about. We're going to be having a relatively spoiler-free discussion. We're going to be having a spoiler-free discussion of the the film after the break. Um, in case you haven't noticed, our third host, um, Jess Ju, is still on vacation, so she won't be joining us this week. But we hope that she's you know, having fun wherever she is. But yeah, mm-hmm. before we get to the Eternals, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. All right, back to you, Han. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no worries. I mean, I was just going on and on, um, uh, you know, sort of drafting off of my attending the Netflix uh, Squid Game FYC, uh, you know, and talking about Netflix Asians. I also did watch a lot of uh, Big Mouth, which is the new season of the animated adult, very adult cartoon, even though it features middle schoolers who are going through puberty and learning about their bodies and sexuality. Um, but like. For an example, the first episode is No Nut November, um, which if you are familiar with it, is actually a social media movement that a lot of people sort of sign up and say, I'm not going to nut. Basically, I'm not going to like have an orgasm. And that means masturbation, too. Um, in the month of November, it's supposedly it's supposed to like have people who are, let's say, addicted to maybe pornography and things like that to not be as dependent and just sort of go like be abstinent in all ways, like with other partners and with yourself. Um, But it's very funny because, of course, the middle schoolers are the ones who are trying not to nut. And um, if anyone recalls, this also reminds me of, uh, it's reminiscent of the episode of Seinfeld called The Contest, where they also try not to masturbate. Um, So there's actually a little tribute in there for Seinfeld. But um, uh, when it comes to the Netflix Asians, Ali Wong is a character on the show now she's a sort of a secondary character um but she is i think uh pansexual and um so they give her more to do throughout the season uh which i just, just think it's fun like i am glad that they keep adding people like i think last season they added the pen 15 girls <laughs> in a special episode this this season oh and oh and no not november also they have camille nanjiani who uh <laughs> we will also talk about in the eternals but he plays a cartoon version of himself he's very jacked um and he talks about no nutting so uh if you kind of want to just check that out honestly it's a good episode if you haven't seen the show to know what you're talking about there's uh of course all the hormone monsters who are not happy about their their charges i guess not uh trying to deny their sex sexuality um and um I don't know. There's a lot of other good stuff coming. There's like love bugs. So they get into the more emotional aspects and relationship aspects of uh, being um, going through puberty and like getting crushes and things like that. So, um, so far, so good. I'm only like partway through the season. Yeah. I mean, you just said nut like a hundred times on this podcast. So nut. it's got to be good. Not for nothing. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's me. What's popping with you, Marvin? This past week was actually super busy for me um, work-wise. So I didn't really have a lot of time to watch things beyond the 
Eternals, but I did start watching a few episodes of Star Wars Visions, which is the, I guess it's a collection of short films on Disney Plus that I guess Lucasfilm commissioned a bunch of Japanese anime production companies to produce nine short films taking place in the Star Wars universe, but done in like anime style. So you have uh, major production studios like Studio Trigger, like Saru, producing basically their vision of like a Star Wars story. And not all of them are hits. Um, some of them are, you know, not, I guess it's not my style, but for the most part, I had a lot of fun watching the ones I did watch. Um, especially like, I think we're on record on this podcast that we appreciate Star Wars stories that has nothing to do with anyone named Skywalker. And that's yes. what these short films are. Just a lot of stories taking place in the Star Wars universe. And it's really interesting because George Lucas is on record saying he has, you know, he took a lot of inspiration for Star Wars from Eastern culture, um, religion. Mm -hmm. Kira Kurosawa was a huge influence on him. And it's really interesting to see, like, this is kind of like an Ouroboros type of thing where, (laughs) like, snake eating its own tail, where you have Japanese filmmakers Mm -hmm. making media based on a story that's based on a Japanese creator. So it's like a little loop, right? And, yeah. you know, some of the films definitely do take that inspiration seriously because there's, I think the first one, The Duel, is definitely made and shot in a very Kurosawa style, even right down like the black and white film grain. But I kind of wish it didn't take the <clears throat> make Star Wars Japanese um, direction so seriously all the time because some of them are literally taking place in like a space version of a Japanese frontier village and like literal lightsaber samurai swords. Um, but for the most part, I, I really enjoyed the ones that I did watch. Um, what I did not, I mean, okay, it was fine, but I kind of wish that we didn't get like pretty much nine Jedi stories because mm. I think like, at least for me, like when Star Wars stories focus on Jedi and Sith, it's a very black and white morality thing, right? And mm-hmm. I think Star Wars Agreed. is at its best when it deals with the in-between the grays. Mm-hmm. And some of these stories do kind of play in that, but for the most part, it's a lot of good versus evil. And a lot of it are tropes that we've seen before. And like, I think every single one of these short films has at least one instance where someone says, I have a bad feeling about this, which I get it. It's like a callback to Star Wars, but at the same time, it's already a Star Wars thing. You don't have to remind us that it's Star Wars, right? Because there's droids, there's lightsabers, there's space. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it's 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 kind of the obvious Star Wars. Like, why don't we have an, a Star Wars episode about just all the flora and fauna that, like, on a world and, like, the people taking care of them? I would watch yeah. that. There's one watch, story that is yeah. that, but it has to loop around and be about Jedi at the end. Yeah, no. I need the <laughs> Animal Crossing version of Star Wars, you know, um, where it's just very gentle stuff and, like, uh, farming. And then, like, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so if you were going to tell me a specific episode to watch, which one would you recommend? The one that I like the most so far is The Ninth Jedi. Okay. So it actually has a Jedi in it. Yeah, it has several Jedi in it. But that one has the most promise in terms of, like, setup and payoff and, like, just they mm-hmm. all have dope action scenes, but that one actually I think has like a, a pretty good twist in it. I, I do like the fact that they are anth- sort of it's an anthology, so I can pick yeah. it up and drop it like whenever. So <laughs> yeah, and I hope they do more of this. You know, I would love a second anthology that has like more smuggler spy stories and less about like 
you know, space knights. Even though space knights are cool, <laughs> I think, you know, there, there are other stories to tell in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Honestly, like, I don't even really care about real knights. Like, you know, <laughs> so that's why space knights. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's what's popping for this week. And when we come back, we're talking about Marvel's The Eternals. Stick around. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, For this next segment, we're talking all about The Eternals. The newest Marvel Cinematic Universe film directed by Chloe Zhao about a team of immortal alien guardians who defend humanity from the threat of alien predators called Deviants. Starring a star-studded cast including Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nantiani, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, uh, Barry Keegan, Don Lee, Kit Harington, Selma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie, among others. It is probably the densest Marvel movie <laughs> to date. Um, Han, what did you think of The Eternals? Uh, so I was very pleasantly surprised. I think I'm one of those people who, if I'm excited or at least looking forward to seeing a movie, I will not watch the, the trailer. And mm-hmm. so that's pretty much what happened. Like people kept talking about like, oh my God, you know, there's ro- she's romancing two of the Game of Thrones guys. <laughs> and I was just like, whatever, you know, like, um, but uh, because, you know, yes, I heard it was different. Yes, the images I saw looked different. And so I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to go in kind of knowing pretty much nothing so I can just indulge. And um, hearing a few of the negative reviews, I was just like, eh, I still am not going to listen to them. So, you know, I started the movie and um, I do have to say I was sick during like the first 30 minutes because I get motion sick and um, it was an IMAX and it starts with action. Usually um, uh, Marvel films have a light action at the beginning and then they build to a third act of super crazy action. But man, the beginning. So I was, I had a little bit of trouble like feeling nauseated and i was like oh no this does not bode well (laughs) however i have to say that despite that i was so engaged with each of the characters i felt like for a a movie that had 10 sort of main characters plus um i kind of got to know each of them decently well or at least knew what was making them tick and made me intrigued by them uh their different powers and just sort of the idea of this sort of super epic storytelling it spans like seven thousand years um and of course intergalactic shenanigans um so i i thought it 
she did a great job. Like whoever also, I didn't catch who had helped write it, but like of sort of encapsulating this existence of uh, going throughout time in on earth. Um, and also how that they develop as characters and people um, living that long and their relationships with each other. And that's, that's sort of existential sort of issue of, living forever while all these humans are dying around them. <laughs> so uh, I I like the action. I like the humor a lot. Uh, visually, it was stunning. Um, Gemma Chan, sorry, being the lead, just, just gonna make me so super happy. Um, just everything. And I thought she played it with uh, all the performances I thought were fantastic. Um, so yeah, I was I was a big fan. So you know, all those haters, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I enjoyed it. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a film that on paper looks so hard to pull off. Like just the story. How do you create? Like even the Avengers took six, seven movies to even set up all these characters to come together, and this movie manages to bring together basically a whole Avengers team. And has to set up their entire arc in two and a half hours. And I mean, that in and of itself is a just a gargantuan, like Herculean feat, right? To mm-hmm. be able to pull that off. And I applaud Chloe for doing. I mean, this film is very dense. There's a lot of mm-hmm. lore. I mean, the film starts with a wall of text, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how you know, like, we're going to get into it. And I think there's a certain type of person who sees that wall of text. And gets excited for it. And I am definitely one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, all right, I'm getting like an epic. I'm not getting like a superhero movie. I'm getting an epic. It it sets up um both of us being, you know, fans of like fantasy and deep, you know, storytelling and epic storytelling. Um, it sets up that sort of expectation that we are world building now. <laughs> <laughs> so you pay attention because we couldn't sum it up in just images we are giving you text yeah uh, yeah <laughs> and for a story that spans so many years and like it's not even like the scale is epic in both the amount of time it covers and like the scope of what it covers right it's not mm-hmm. only a, a tale about seven thousand years of human history but also it takes place in the marvel cosmic universe which has to do with you know like godlike beings and mm-hmm. it's not cosmic horror but may as well be because you know, to these giant beings like the Celestials that they introduce in this film, humanity is just whatever. We're like a speck of dust to them, right? We're just, yeah. and like that type of existential sci-fi is like, I love that shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's so many ex- levels of existential stuff in this film that I really do like it. And it made me like sort of like it sat with me for a while after I watched and maybe some people don't like it. I mean- you know, since Endgame, there's been like two types of Marvel stories, right? You have your WandaVisions and your Lokis, which is trying to explore existential concepts like time, multiverses, things that are outside of human comprehension, right? And then you have like your Falcon and Winter Soldiers, your Hawkeyes with your Black Widows, which is more like grounded action stuff that's happening on Earth that like is more, I guess, micro than macro. And I gotta say, after watching both of these types of films and TV shows over this past year, the the spy stuff kind of it's it's a little boring these days. Yeah, I love a good spy story, and I think they just haven't quite figured out how to get it, tell it in a compelling way. I think it's when it 
when both of these stories takes place in the same cinematic universe, it's I find it hard to care about the spy stuff when there's freaking space gods trying about to like obliterate the planet, right? Yeah, I mean there are ways to do it. Like, would I watch a intergalactic spy in the Marvel universe? Yeah, if they did it right. I think it's kind of like the the thing is like I have an issue with sometimes when you know. You know, we are on record of loving the heist movie <laughs> and um, but there are good heist movies and bad ones. And some of them just like set it up as a heist and then they don't do anything with it. So um, I would say that kind of Marvel starts with the concept of spies, but then kind of just doesn't do anything with it. So um, they don't still involve slick as hell And the action scenes are still, oh, know, it's still, they still do the trick. But yeah, I think what I want from Marvel movies is that lore and i'm getting that more from the cosmic side of things than like the spy side of things yeah i mean and this is also you know comic books are not a monolith (laughs) clearly um probably as a kid i didn't love the epic intergalactic stuff i remember anytime i would see some giant person in space i'm like (laughs) or or silver surfer i'm just like god damn it no uh but as a kid what i wanted to watch read were the uh the teen stuff so (laughs) so uh new mutants um that type of stuff you know very solid grounded things and like you know maybe the x-men in the uh the danger room that type of stuff yeah um but yeah i obviously i've developed and like you know gotten different tastes um um but yeah i mean like we mentioned this is a huge cast like this entire film in addition to being like a film about immortals living among us um is also a like the core storyline in this film is like a getting the band back together story (laughs) right it's about these this group of you know superheroes who broke up a couple hundred years ago and now there's a new crisis and they need to bring everyone back to address it. Yeah. Um, and, and and so you get to see each of them, like what they've been up to, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, huh, do you have a, I mean, I have a feeling I know who your favorite Eternal is, but do you have a favorite Eternal? Kingo? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, look, actually, I appreciate quite a few of them, in fact. Um, so, you know, hard to pick a favorite it's probably easy to pick my least favorite but that might be spoilers there um so um but i have to say kingo like kamal nanjiani is fucking fantastic uh he's in his great i do love his really his power good. is um finger guns and yeah he just so much like he just he's just shooting finger guns the, the entire time yeah and- he's a badass but also his character without giving too much away is the comic relief he had, and of course, he is comedian, so he can deliver all of that shit very well. He's colorful. He gives it the the movie just like that extra oomph when you need it because you know this when we're talking about an epic movie and themes, um, it does get a little, uh, let's say, deep at times, and so he he adds that levity that's very much needed, and it's it's very perfect. It's also very grounded in our pop culture. Um, many of the things he says uh some of the i think um so i looked up the writers it's um two cousins kaz and ryan firpo and i have to give him so much credit for the banter love banter and especially when you're getting the team back together that's essential um when you talk about like let's say fast and the furious if they didn't have the banter i don't know if i would care <laughs> as much because it shows relationship it show it has a shorthand um of showing how that they interact with each other um 
makes it fun, but it also reveals character. Um, and I think that's one of the, you know, the biggest things I have to say is like each of the characters felt fully realized to me, even though they were, you know, fighting for time on screen because there were 10, 11, 12 of them. So um, again, did a really great job. But yeah, so Kingo is probably one of my favorites. Of course, I very much appreciated Cersei, who is Gemma Chan's character, um, for holding it together. She was the emotional heart of the film um, and was just super compelling, I felt, throughout. Um, I also very much liked um, uh, Makari. She is the Eternal who has super speed. Um, her character also happens to be deaf, um, and so is the actress. Um, and uh, what I think was interesting is after watching the film, you know, you start Googling and learning <laughs> about their characters more because I was like, was was this character deaf in the comic books? And um, it turns out not only was she not deaf initially, she was also a man. Uh, yeah. So there was a there's a little bit of gender bending for our three characters, uh, and, but she did eventually tr- become female in the comic books and became deaf. So <laughs> they picked up basically the most recent sort of uh, iteration of Makari, which I thought was fascinating. And so all of it was just so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean her interactions with Druig were you know sweet. I loved that. I shipped them. Uh, there it was very me very too. Cute. Even though he's kind of an <laughs> asshole, I when they're together, I was like, oh, you know, the I trailers made the him fanfic. look like he would have been an antagonist, but I'm glad that he wasn't. He turned out to be like a pretty like you know he he is a dick, but he's like a cool dick, you know. He he he's a dick about having certain um strong beliefs that I actually kind of agree with in t- <laughs> at times. So you know the way he went around it was kind of dickish, but um. But he, you know, he has morals and ethics, and um, I think that's what made me be able to ship them. Um, he's also a fantastic actor, Barry Kogan. Uh, <laughs> so he's, you know, you got to look him up. Uh, I think he's played like a killer before. It's just he's so good. Um, they kind of got the cream of the crop for everyone. Yeah, and I think Brian Tyree Henry's character, Bastos, Brian Tyree Henry. Oh my um, god, his powers is like inventing shit, right? That's his. That's his main power. Yeah. Um, but is this? I, I may be wrong. And no, his yeah. character is is gay and has a same-sex partner. And I want to say, is this the first time we've ever had like a like a, a gay kiss on a Marvel series? Yes. Has that happened before? It's also it's the first acknowledged main character, like title character. He is an Eternal uh, who is queer. Uh, Loki on TV has been acknowledged to be gender fluid, but there's nothing really going on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like there, it's like, you might as well be whatever you want if you're not hooking up with anyone. Right. I feel like that was a pretty big thing for like a Marvel MCU slash Disney thing. Right. It, it, it is. And in fact, that's what's causing problems around the world because certain <laughs> countries do not want the gayness and, um, and Marvel and Chloe Zhao are sticking by it. They will not edit out the kiss because it would be so it's easy to edit out. Too. It's like a kiss kiss. Yeah. Yeah. The the actor who plays his partner, Haas Slyman, is gay in real life. Um, and he is also um, Arab. So those are the countries that are actually objecting. Um, so I think it's fascinating. He's also just a great actor. He's been in so many things that I like him in. Um, but uh, they, I, I feel like. What I love is just beyond just enjoying the characters and the film itself. But it's like when you see those types of things and you see who they even cast as the supporting actors, um, you see so much thought and like intention has gone behind into 
the casting, the the storytelling, the lines. Um, I think that's why they were able to convey so much um, in such. Yeah. OK, it's over two hours, but <laughs> in such a short period of time when you're considering how many characters. Yeah. There are. And, you know, it, it does run into some issues like I had, you know, sometimes the script did bring me out of it a little bit. But I think that's par for the course for such, again, uh, such a dense story where you can't really get away with not having to explain things. Yeah. I, and I didn't feel it was overly, um, uh, you know, expository. Uh, I think there was just enough. I mean, look, any Marvel film actually has that, if you think about it. And they just, you know, they just try to make the character like, you know, uh, move things in midair while they're saying it or whatever, just to distract you from yeah. this info dump. <laughs> so uh, they did do a lot of information, but they also had many characters to help you along. Um, a lot of action, a lot of, you know, uh, millennia, literal millennia. To go over things. Yeah. <laughs> so I was never bored. I was engaged the whole time. It's a lot of fun. And I know you you probably weren't the biggest fan of Richard Madden's character Icarus. But I actually really enjoyed his performance there as well. Because, I mean, so the story of the Eternals, it's like a many different stories in there, right? But the core of it, in addition to the getting the band back together. And so you have the tropes of how do you deal with living forever and like knowing things and knowing that everything you love at this point in time will eventually die besides you, right? Like you've seen this in, you know, stories like Highlander, like um, The Old Guard, like um, even vampire movies. Like Yeah, Interview with the Vampire definitely goes over that. Most vampire things that I read and, and watch um, usually ends up being like, and I loved her until she got older than me and then died or whatever. You know, so it's, yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, and, you know, I think the core of a lot of the characters in this story, specifically Gemma Chan and Richard Madden's character, Cersei and Icarus, you see how that living that life weighs down on them, right? Yeah. Look, personally, um, well, I have two points on this. <laughs> <laughs> One is to be clear, uh, while certain things about Icarus as a character I do not like, I found Richard Madden great <laughs> because of the challenges he had to face. Uh I am on record of saying between the two Stark brothers, um, Richard Madden, who played Rob Stark, and Kit Harrington, who played Jon Snow, I am a Richard Madden, Rob Stark fan. <laughs> um, and and, and inc that includes Richard Madden as an actor. I like him quite a bit in other roles that I've seen him in, Bodyguard, um, and uh, some other one where he was a Scottish DJ. <laughs> but uh, so, so I actually think they chose the right guy to play this type of role. Because it required quite a bit of uh, emotional acting from him. So there's that. And then, uh, oh, the other thing I have to say is if I lived more than a thousand years around the same people, I would be fighting with them all the time and uh, and then making up with them. And then I would be friends with one and then like enemies <laughs> with another. It was just like there's no way I can, you know, you think about even your own relationships, like with your I don't know, your friends and whatever, like they kind of wax and wane. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the running joke in the film is all the Eternals, they introduce themselves as, oh, they're my friends from college. And that's kind <laughs> yes. of how it feels like, right? Like I had close friends from college that like I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. When we meet up, we may not see eye to eye anymore because we've grown since then. But at the same time, there will always be that connection because we were friends in college, right? And for the Eternals, college was the 5,000 years they spent 
fighting the deviants across yeah. the world. Yeah. That the favorite line never gets old for me. Um and I think that's that's sort of like an example of just the kind of ongoing, you know, jokes and 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 tone that I appreciated about the film that dealt with epic shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we need to talk about just the fact that we mentioned a lot that this film is a different type of film that we're probably not used to in superhero films, right? Like it felt like it had the ambitions of like a DC film in terms of like the epicness of gods among men, Mm -hmm. but also like the slickness of a Marvel production. And I feel like Chloe Zhao was probably the best person to kind of combine those two. And, you know, we can't talk about this film without talking about the reaction to it. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to dwell too much on it because, you know, both of us are on record now saying that we did enjoy the film. I want to say like a lot of the critiques I read was the fact that because Chloe Zhao was attached to the film, people expected something more. Yeah, I I feel that's really odd because I know she's also known for um, bringing out fantastic performances from people who are not traditional actors. They're regular folk. And for me, that meant that she would just take care with actors. Which is what she did, I think. Um, I heard a few people kind of argue that, like, she didn't know who her star was, and like, her she would cut away from Angelina Jolie. And I was just like, look, <laughs> there were like 10 of them, and I felt like everyone got the like their due. Um, it could have been three hour movie, whatever. <laughs> so, Angelina Jolie was a great character, though. Oh, she was, she was, and that's the other thing. It's like, as little screen time as each person gets, it feels very fraught and like juicy what we got from them. So, uh, yeah. Although I, I feel know. like we could have gotten more from Gilgamesh, Don Lee's character. Cause he yes, was just, because he was just she, on screen to cook stuff and punch things. I did still enjoy him so much <laughs> though. He was also comic relief. Um, but he also had a, I don't know, a very steady gravitas to him, I think. Yeah. That made me like, just like want to hug him and be like, thank you for being the eternal who I actually would turn to, you know, <laughs> like, you know, he's I would like stay away steady from big brother. Just like nothing. Yep. He's like, whatever. Yeah. Like monsters come at me. I punch them. He had yeah. a really great slap too. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, I I get why people I think that it, I think that part of it was just expectations. Um, and, yeah, I feel yeah. like this is a film. I mean, it's it's going to be polarizing no matter what, because the Eternals as a storyline was always going to be a super dense type of film. It was always going to require a different approach. The, the beauty of the MCU is if you don't like this, there's Spider-Man in two months, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like my. You know, certain films weren't my favorite, but who cares? Like, it was fine for what it was, and you get move on. Uh, we're also getting Hawkeye very soon, um, if you want the MCU on the small screen. So, like, yeah. just get over it. Also, it introduced, you know, obviously, I'm not going to spoil it, but of course, there's going to be, you know, those mid-credits and, you know, end-credit scenes that, like, dovetail into another um, project. So, I was just like, just think of it as just one chain, you know, uh, one link in the chain of this epic, you know, MCU chain. So, yeah. It is getting I, a little unwieldy, though. Like, there's so much going on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> it was Iron Man 3. I saw with a friend and I just looked at him afterwards and I'm just like, I'm going to die not seeing all the MCU films, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, they're just going to keep on going on. To um, be fair, I feel like Iron Man 3, even if you didn't watch it, you're okay. <laughs> it's like Thor 2. You know, there's really nothing I, much carrying over from those films. <laughs> I literally don't even remember it now. But uh, so actually, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to catching up on the movies that I missed in the MCU because they very much um, are lead ups to the phase four. So um, Captain Marvel, mm. uh, Doctor Strange and Ant-Man 2 are the ones I missed. And I, I think all of those uh, help will help me understand what's coming up next, uh, because what I was watching WandaVision and people were like, oh, that's a call up back to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I didn't watch that. Great. So yeah, um, it took me a while to watch Doctor Strange, mainly yeah, because of just principles of like, I refused yeah. to, I don't know. I was, I was very stubborn uh, back then. No, 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 no. I 100% understand. It took me uh, a year until I watched Iron Fist um, because I was like, I'm going to watch it before Iron Fist 2 season two comes out. And also just, to say that I, I will be fully informed. Um, and yeah, it was, I remember saying, you know what? I'm going to tweet out everything good about season one. And it ended up being like, oh, there's a dog. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, there's Jessica Henwick. And so, so yeah, it was not a very long tweet thread. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think as someone who also just loves lore in general and mythology, it was really cool to see like, the Marvel Universe's version of God, because you know all the Eternals are in in the universe. Like Greek gods, Babylonian gods, were based on the Eternals, who are actually there fighting monsters. Um, and it was kind of cool, you know, to get those little Easter eggs, though, like where their names actually come from, like Athena, like Gilgamesh, like um, Circe, Icarus. Yeah, Icarus. What I think is funny though is then that means a lot of people are going to learn to misspell them. <laughs> they spell them differently in Eternals. Um, but I think it's funny to retcon our own history um, and say, hey, these myths actually came from the Eternals. <laughs> yeah, know? and it's just so, so wild that this is the type of Marvel storyline that Marvel wouldn't have dared to produce back in like 2006. Mm -hmm. In the Eternals, they pretty much established not only the existence of like, quote unquote, the Greek and Babylonian gods, like humanity's gods as like alien defenders of peace but also they're laying the seeds for like arthurian myth to become real too because mm -hmm. there is an easter egg about kid harrington's character who it's already been revealed that he's playing the black knight who is a character from arthurian folklore yeah here we go again trying to make me care about arthurian knights <laughs> and you know look the green knight story did it in a beautiful way that i enjoyed but i don't know what i i am I am. I need to be convinced. <laughs> Let's just say <laughs> I don't care about knights. I don't care about Arthur or his knights. Uh, the only one I liked was Monty Python. <laughs> um, just bring back the Patel, Sir Gawain. We're golden. I would totally watch that again. You know, <laughs> like if he entered the MCU as Gawain, that would be very nice. Yes. All right, Han. Um, last question, of course, is is the Eternals good pop? Yeah, don't listen to the haters is very, very, very good pop. <laughs> I think it's different and I think it did everything it needed to do excellently. 
Yeah, I agree. I had a good time at the theater. It is a long ass movie, um, but I was not bored at all. And, you know, that was the fear going in, right? Because Chloe Zhao is, she's known for deliberately paced films. And while the Eternals is pretty slow paced compared to other Marvel films, it's not at all boring. And the, the action scenes were actually really good. And I think um, you mentioned this to me when you first watched it, and I kind of felt the same. Is This was the first time I wasn't like rolling my eyes at the third act of a Marvel film. Yeah, the third act of the Marvel film, the Marvel bloat, whatever, um, <laughs> I actually have been known to have my eyes glaze over. Um, I Sorry, Shang-Chi, but the first time I watched it, I didn't pay attention to how he defeated a dragon. Um, <laughs> second time I watched it, I was like, oh, so that's what happened. And so... Um, I love the third act here. There was definitely some extra fighting at that point, but because I think they care, they set up the characters so well, I followed the action intently because I felt it, they were all properly informed by what the characters are and their personalities. Um, yeah, it, it, from the beginning to the end, I very much enjoyed it. So I don't know what people are talking about with pacing. I think the <laughs> non-action parts were still very interesting. Um, yeah, I, maybe it's a thinker's type of movie, but that's why it appealed to me. Existential shit. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, on a more epic scale than we're used to for MCU, but I wouldn't be against seeing more of it. And I hope that Chloe had a good time making the film so we can see her get more Hollywood work. Although I'm sure she has tons of artsy indie stuff in, in the works as well. Uh, but it's great to see that Marvel isn't afraid to do something different. And I think that that's what's going to keep it fresh for for the MCU. Because again, like we've had almost what over a decade of superhero films, you gotta you gotta start trying different things to keep things fresh. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down for this weirder, you know, <laughs> more ex- existential phase four. And yeah, with that, that'll do it for our discussion of Marvel's The Eternals. Um, Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am on Twitter at Anonymous, and you can find me. On Twitter at Marvin Yuet. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. You can find our fellow Asian American hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And we're getting tired of proving